Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ballgame. Adley Rutschman has got his first Major League home run. Welcome to the Bowder's Box. Man, we're going to talk about Ellie De La Cruz. We're going to talk about the Seattle Mariners. We're going to talk about San Diego Padres. We're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates. We're going to talk about every team. We're going to talk about baseball's past, future, and present, as we do on every episode here at the Batter's Box. My name's Dave Guadrelli. I'm joined, as always, by Mike Liu. Mike, let's start in Cincinnati. Sold-out crowd tonight at Great American Ballpark. And for good reason, those fans got their money's worth. Ellie De La Cruz hits the seventh cycle in Cincinnati Reds history. Take it away. I mean, what else is what else is there to say besides the fact that this kid has been in the MLB for not even a full month, not a full month yet, and has already hit a cycle, which most players can go their entire careers without hitting. I genuinely believe that this Braves versus Red games, this Brave versus Reds game that we just witnessed, is already game of the year. I don't think there's going to be another game that comes close. Ellie De La Cruz is a huge part of it. Also a huge part of it, Joey Votto, who's just come come back from ten months away. <laughs> it just absolutely bombs one to put up to put the Reds up nine to seven. It's absolutely absolutely insane. Like the how how often are we gonna get a game this competitive, this high scoring, with so many so much going on either side? And this is against a very good Atlanta Atlanta Braves team as well. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we see these two teams in L- NLDS. If this is if this is any indication of how they're going to play the rest of the season, I think that an, an NLDS series between Atlanta and Cincinnati will be probably the most entertaining series, the most entertaining series of baseball to date uh, in the in the twenty in the twenty twenties, because these two teams just are on fire, and it sucks to see one lose. It's baseball. You play. You play to win the game. That's that's how we do things. But credit uh, credit the Braves for such an incredible run. And like hell, they're they're still having and they're still an insane record in the last in the last ten. But this is twelve straight for Cincy, and it, it wasn't it wasn't done in like domineering fashion. But they showed they could win against the very best and win entertaining win in entertaining fashion. I mean, this is. This is the type of money, uh, this is the type of games that you pay the big bucks to watch. 
I was trying to think about it, and I, I'm pretty sure that this is the best baseball game I've ever watched. Like, 2015, Game 5 ALDS comes close when Jose Bautista had the bat flip. You know, that comes very close just with all the dramatics that happened in the lead-up to it. That comes very close, but for regular season, I don't think I've ever seen a more entertaining baseball game than this. And sure, there's been some down the stretch where they have playoff implications attached to them, but this was a very, very entertaining game, to to put it lightly. And we saw Ellie De La Cruz hits the cycle by the time the sixth inning had been completed. He had the cycle, and as you said it, Joey Votto, good Canadian kid, putting the team on his back, batting out of the seventh hole, hits two homers with four RBIs tonight. Again, that is an 11-10 victory for the Cincinnati Reds. Four of those runs coming off the bat of Joey Votto. Good Canadian kid. We talked about him in the last episode quite a bit, uh, about leadership in baseball. And hey, like... I, I know we said we'd update it every week if we wanted to change any of our picks for who's going to win each division. I think I picked Cincinnati to win the NL Central, not at the start of the year, but at the start of this podcast, which was like two weeks ago when the Cincinnati Reds were still doing really well. I'm sticking with Cincinnati. I, I don't think anybody's going to touch Cincinnati for the rest of the year. I think they're going to win the NL Central. And not only that, I think they might be able to make some noise in the playoffs. Like This team, theoretically, should be active at the deadline. Like... You go, you go look around the league, and there's going to be options for them. Like, they're not going to be players for Otani, obviously not. But, you know, Kansas City is going to be letting go of some bullpen arms. You've got Alexis Diaz. Do you want to fortify that bullpen even more heading into the playoffs so you're not relying on a guy who's, you know, still relatively young and inexperienced? Do you want to go fortify that bullpen more? Because you can add an Aroldis Chapman. You can add a Scott Barlow from that Kansas City bullpen. Like, those guys are going to be moving at the deadline, right? Do you want to fortify your bullpen even more if you're Cincinnati? Look, there's lots of different options. I, I would say the starting rotation could obviously use some uh, some reinforcements as well. But the way this team's playing right now, you have to think that they are going to be looking to add at the trade deadline. And, you know, try and get this lightning in a bottle that it seems like this group of guys has right now. I So this is where I become a little hesitant with the Reds. And it's not because of their play on the field, because they have just been incredible. But you talk about them adding at the deadline. I, I'm i not sure if the owner is going to get Bob Castellini is going to give the green light for the Cincinnati team to add at the deadline. Going to the season, they had the 26th-ranked payroll, and that sort of like puts into it puts it into perspective like where the ownership's mindset is on this team versus what what this team is producing on the field like i i think that they could use they absolutely could make noise in the, in the postseason that i i don't think that's a question what i think is a question is that will they be allowed to get the reinforcements they need to compete uh come september and october because i i, I think there's no other team in this division that i really think unless milwaukee somehow figures out how to hit home runs and score give get their pitchers run support and their pitchers stop their pitchers stop flaming out every so often i think the cincinnati reds are going to take the division my question is is that will they be able to have the tools to succeed in the postseason and on an added note what happens after this because this is an owner that cries cheap says that he's he tells the cincinnati fan base that it's lucky. They are fortunate that he does not move this team. If he lets, like, 
multiple like the multiples of India, McLean, Abbott, Green, Elliot Cruz. If they if he lets them leave, I mean, this is a conversation we'll probably be having down the road. Uh, but that's pretty alarming, and I don't. I'm not entirely sure if he will open the checkbook. He will give the green light to make the acquisitions that this team needs to supplement themselves for a run this year. Not only this year, but set them uh, set set themselves up for future success as well. But that's the thing is if you're going to let a guy like Ellie De La Cruz go or you're going to trade him for a boatload of prospects because, look, he's going to get paid. We, we know yeah, he's a special 100%. player. It's, it's just the beginning for Ellie De La Cruz. We know he's a special player. So if you're not going to be able to re-sign him, and look, we're having this conversation one month into De La Cruz's career. <laughs> if you're Three not going to re-sign him, I think that adds to the argument of go get some guys at the deadline. Like, go get some guys on expiring contract. Go get Shohei Otani. Invigorate this fan base for, <laughs> you know, for a half a season and push yourself for the playoffs. There's a, there's a way to add to your lineup, a way to add to your starting rotation. And seriously, I don't think they're going to do that. And they shouldn't because they shouldn't be giving up all the prospects that it's going to require to get Shohei Otani from the Angels. Also, that's the other thing. We're going to have this conversation so many times. The Angels and Shohei Otani. I, I don't think they're going to part ways with them if they're in a playoff spot, which they're going to be, right? Like, yep. I, I don't I don't think they should part with Otani. I don't think they're going to. Like, like I think maybe they should. I shouldn't say I don't think they should. I think they should if they're not going to be able to re-sign him. But if they're in a playoff spot with this owner, they're not trading Otani. Otani's finishing out the year there. I... I... I think I said this. I said this to you earlier, but there was a couple of trade proposals already being floated around about dealing Otani way, and you, you look at them, and you look at what they get, what the other team's giving up to acquire Otani, and somehow, like even like that Mets proposal, I'm like looking through all the names, and I'm just like, they could honestly, that honestly isn't enough for me. I I wouldn't trade Otani for that. I mm-hmm. I would want more. It, I I don't know if you share the same opinion, uh, but like. I, that wasn't. That was very underwhelming. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you. I I think because you know that package was like, oh, this is the Mets' second or top three prospect or whatever, and this is a really good prospect in the Mets system. But to me, I think you look at the list of MLB top one hundred prospects, <laughs> not a single and you Mets. sort backwards, <laughs> and you figure out exactly how many whichever team has the most within the top one hundred. That's the team that you're doing business with, right? Like, like of course, the team that is actually looking for it, because I know, um, you know, obviously, a non-contending team is probably going to be that team that has the most prospects. But my point being is that's going to be the price: is guys who are not just rated highly in that team system but by major league baseball and widely agreed upon that yes these are going to be big leaguers and they are going to be good big leaguers that's what the angels need to target if they're going to deal otani again it was the conversation we had last episode is what team's actually going to be able to do that and i'm sure we're going to spend an entire episode on the future prospects that is it's going to cost and putting together proposals like that's going to be a conversation that we have probably within the next five episodes of this show. And quickly, we should say, Wednesday, <laughs> Friday, those are going to be our days moving forward. Yeah. Um, kind of what we did this week, actually. So, yeah, it works out nice. Works Wednesday, out. Friday is when we'll be doing shows. Um, okay, moving away from Cincinnati a little bit here, I want to talk about the Seattle Mariners. And, you know, I say this as a Mariners fan. Back at 500... <laughs> 
Last two games, I got to point out that Scott Service, after their second loss in New York, okay, against the Yankees on Wednesday, a 4-2 loss, where, you know, that series, they just, they didn't get after Johnny Brito, who made his, like, second start of the year or something like that, and he got tagged in the first one. He's, you know, there was no excuse for the Mariners not to, you know, not to tag him. So Scott yeah. Service comes out and basically says, I expect more from this team. Um, you know, so at some point we just have to start trying type thing. And <laughs> after that, the Mariners come and <laughs> tag Domingo Herman for 10 runs. Uh, well, not all against Herman, but they win 10 to 2 against the Yankees on Thursday. They roll into Baltimore on this Friday evening with Logan Gilbert on the bump. And after a little bit of trouble in the first inning for Gilbert, he settled down en route to a 13-1 Seattle Mariners victory to now put them back at 500 and don't look now to put them three games back of the third and final wild card spot, which is currently held down by the Yankees, who made some ground up on the Mariners in their series that the Yankees ended up winning. So look, it's crunch time. It's crunch time for the Mariners they need to start figuring it out. And hopefully, you know, with Scott Service's comment, I hope that's kind of the catalyst for this team. You talk about how Scott Service wanted to see the Mariners try. And <laughs> it's funny because, like, I, I've seen the 13-1 scoreline. I was like, Quads is 100% going to talk about the Mariners tonight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um yeah, like you look at the performances and that they're getting, and let's just take the thirteen-one win. Jared Kelnick had himself a pretty solid game, and this is a guy who came who came in the last couple seasons and just really struggled to find his footing, but now seems to be getting traction. You talk about Julio Rodriguez; he's starting to look like why he's starting to look like the reason why they got rid of uh, Mitch Haniger. Uh, Ty France. Golf. He's going back to work. Um, we remember when he was one of the best players in the MLB back in like 2021, 2022. Like, and he kind of vanished from that uh, from that pace. But now it's like, wow, you're getting that, that type of performance out of him as well. I, I mean, the Mariners have always we've talked about it before, but they've always just been uh, up and down. Like, there's always some. There's always one part that isn't quite clicking. And unfortunately, like that's let them down in the past as well. But to see against a very good Yankees team and a very good Orioles team, like these aren't exactly they aren't blowing out chump teams. And obviously, small sample size and whatnot. This is this is two games, but it's encouraging to see that when this team starts putting it together, getting complete performances um, from their bats and from their pitching, that they can really do some damage. So it's showing that this team has something and. As long as they can get it to click, I, I don't see why they can't make a, a run into AL West. I love to hear it. I love to hear it, and I want to see them actually do it. Okay, <laughs> I won't just talk about my favorite teams for the rest of the podcast. No no Gary Sanchez on this podcast. I'll go look at his game log. Guy's still staying hot. Uh, why are we'll you like this? We'll move on here. <laughs> we'll move on here. And this is one I didn't even prep you for this, so I hope you had heard it or seen it. I don't know if you saw it. Rob Manfred, uh, the other day, oh. talked about granting the Astros immunity. Oh. Quote, not my best decision. Yeah, no oh, shit, Rob. No buddy. fucking shit. 
Everybody said it was not your best decision when you made the decision. A little background. I don't here. know what he's trying. I don't know what he's trying to do with that comment. Like the thing with have- Rob Manfred is every time he opens his mouth, I think everybody who has a has a vested interest in MLB kind of goes, "Ugh, I wish he hadn't said that." <laughs> <laughs> I I think that's putting it lightly. I think most people would be like, "Shut the fuck up." It's yes, yeah. it's so bad. Like you walk, you're talking about your comments from back then. Now, like you've already pissed off a segment of like a large, large segment of the MLB fan base, and the discussion about tipping uh, like tipping pitches and electronically stealing signs that's a discussion that we'll probably have to have like down the road but there's a sizable chunk of the MLB fan base and a lot a lot of MLB teams that were really pissed off at the fact that the Astros faced basically no repercussion they got fucking dusty baker out of it like really really you, you guys that that's that's the idea like as a manager you're getting dusty baker to self-correct from all that shit it doesn't make any it just doesn't make sense like it's not punitive whatsoever all the all of the staff all the players were still in the league they they called the he called the um world he called the trophy just a piece of metal like what what the fuck <laughs> and then and then he comes out now and says this only to piss off the Astros fan base when previously the Astros fan base was probably like, okay, uh, they probably felt a little bit of the pressure, but they were like, okay, Manfred has our back. Now Manfred doesn't even have their backs. It's like, what are we doing here? Like, I don't know if you also saw the comments that he made, uh, a bit of diversion, but he made comments about the Oakland Athletics as well. It's like, oh, one night, one night isn't enough to make up for the last 10 years of inaction. It's like, what the fuck are you? What the fuck are you on about? <laughs> I just I I and and that comment. What he said was he was asked by a reporter, "Did you see the reverse boycott in Oakland tonight?" Which we broke down on the last episode. It was special. It was powerful. It was really cool to see. We broke it down on the last episode, and he was asked about that, and he comes out and says. I was at dinner with the owners, and yeah, I guess it's cool to see them do an average performance for an MLB ballpark. Like, that that was what he came out and said was, yeah, it was cool to see them come out for one night. Like, imagine he said that about the New York Yankees, or like the Boston Red Sox, for example. Just, just imagine for a second that that wasn't about the Oakland Athletics. And that's when you start to understand why that quote is so problematic, and why it is just... The commissioner of the league should not be saying something like that. And look, like this guy, just like I said, every time he opens his mouth, everybody who, you know, like all the owners, I'm sure are kind of like, okay, I wish he hadn't said that. And it's just the guy cannot make himself look better, even when he does something like this with the Astros thing, where he says it probably wasn't my best decision to grant (laughs) all the players a non immunity. It probably wasn't my best decision to do that. Like, even when he tries to come out and say something that he thinks is going to help his case and make him a little more popular, it backfires on him. Because that is just... I I don't even know what to make of that comment. Because, no. yeah, like, everybody said it was a bad idea. Because, sure, if you give them immunity, maybe you'll get some more information that you wouldn't have gotten if the players thought that they could be punished. But... Okay, now you figured out the crime, but you can't charge anybody with 
any sort of penalty or sentence. Like, you can't do anything. And, you know, I'm speaking in more legal terms here, but you get what I'm saying is, look, yeah, you got the info. Great. Now what? You you suspend AJ Hinch for a year. He's now coaching the Tigers, which sure is a punishment on its own, but he's still in the league. (laughs) Like, he's still in the league, even if it's with the Tigers, which is, like I said, a punishment in its own right. He's still in the league. Like, this was a slap on the wrist for everybody involved. And the players... um, the players are still feeling the effect of it. Like, you know, Carlos Correa, that's somebody that's been at the forefront of it because he's been very vocal about it. Um, the, the thing I find funny about it is, like, Jose Altuve is reportedly the one that didn't really cheat and didn't really want to. And he's somebody that everybody's like, fuck you, Altuve, you yeah. cheater. And he's like, <laughs> he, like, didn't want to cheat. And look, like, like, here's what it comes down to, Mike. When I look at that situation, I'm not saying anything about it was right. But when, like, Carlos Beltran, who would have been a Hall of Famer, comes to you and says, hey, this is what we're going to do. You don't sit up if you're George Springer, if you're a young Jose Altuve or young Carlos Correa and say, actually, I would rather not know what pitch is coming. (laughs) Like, you're not going to do that. If Carlos Beltran says, hey, this is how we're going to do this. No, you're not going to stand up. So look, I, I know Altuve... Uh, was somebody that somebody that was kind of against it, but Carlos Correa has kind of been at the forefront of it. And look, it still happens. Like we saw Middleton, the White Sox pitcher, last yep. month. I th- I think it was last month. It might have been longer than that, but it doesn't matter. He comes out in an interview and just calls Carlos Correa a cheater after striking him out um, in a game, and it was just like, yeah, people aren't gonna forget about this. And as much as Rob Manfred would probably like them to. People aren't going to ever forget about that, even though no. the Astros won a championship after that, and everybody knows that. Everybody puts a little bit more respect on their name for that reason. People don't forget. People don't forget how you won that first one. And look, as I record this, I'm watching Altuve at the dish. I'm wondering if this next pitch is going to go at his head. Like, that, that, that's, <laughs> that's the reality that these players still live with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but- it, it, it's not it's a lose-lose situation so Manfred making those comments it, it just feels redundant like it, what is it meant to achieve is it meant to make paint you in a more sympathetic light like there's there's no benefit from just bringing up an issue that no one's gonna forget because it's the biggest I'd say arguably the biggest scandal of the 20 2010s when it comes to World Series um I, I it, it, it's we can talk about how prevalent it is some other time, but it's a tainted championship for them. And at, at the end of the day, that's something that Do- the Dodgers are never going to let that go. The Dodgers fan base are never are, are never going to let that go. At the, f- the fact that they got robbed from that. It's something that sticks with you for a long time. And a lot of the bad taste in the mouth comes from the fact that none of the Astros face consequences. And, a lot of this was done through uh, vigilante justice. Like, you, you remember during the um, during the pandemic season when basically every Astro was just getting pegged left and right with pitches. <laughs> um, it was that was pretty much the most pain that they felt from the situation. That was it. So I don't know what it was meant to achieve, and honestly, it's just so frustrating to think about all of that. <laughs> Yeah, it's too little too late. Like, like that. Yeah. that's where I want to wrap up this conversation because I just feel like giving it any more attention... I, like, I don't even know what I want as a baseball fan. Like, yeah. 
What I, do you? I, want I can tell it? you, I did want to see them get plunked with pitches. Like when those guys were getting hit, <laughs> I wasn't saying, "Oh, that's that shouldn't happen." Like they shouldn't get plunked. I might have said it a little bit more when it was Altuve because we <laughs> saw everything that happened with Altuve later on. But no. look, like when I saw Carlos Correa get plunked, I wasn't like, "Oh no, not Carlos Correa." Like no, I, I I didn't care. I I really didn't care at that point. So now I just I I don't have the same reaction when I see Korea get hit. Now I actually like Korea as a player. So I don't know. Like I don't even know what I want at this point. But I can tell you what I don't want is the commissioner to come out four fucking years later and say, <laughs> you know what? Oh, we did this was thing. maybe not my best decision. Like Fuck yeah, that. Rob. We all said that at the time. <laughs> thanks for thanks for showing up to the party four years late. So that's what I want to close it out with. I don't want. To, I don't even want to talk about that situation anymore. Do you have any other topics that you want to bring up here? Let's talk about the Toronto, them Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> yeah, falling tonight to the Oakland Athletics by a score of five to four. The Athletics picking up their twentieth win of the season, uh, and the Blue Jays getting tagged with oh, their thirty sixth loss of the year. And Mike, like, I. I, it, it's funny because all the teams on this podcast, like like all the teams that we talk about, save for the Rockies, the teams that we're like fans of and that we talk about a lot, we talk about the Reds a lot, but teams that you and I are fans of, the Padres, the Rockies, the Mariners, and the Jays, all four of those teams, minus maybe the Rockies, <laughs> are trying to contend and are in this stage where it's one step forward and two steps back, and then it's two steps forward and one step back. But you never know which way it's going to go, and there's no level of consistency. And that's where the Jays are at right now. That series against Miami, there was people calling for John Schneider's job after that 11 to nothing loss because that was their third straight loss, and they lost just a day before to the Texas Rangers, who, don't get me wrong, are a buzzsaw of a team, almost as much as the Oakland Athletics. Uh, the Rangers <laughs> won that game 11-7, to so that was the Jays' third straight loss. People were very upset. Then they win 2 nothing against the Marlins. 2 nothing against the Miami Marlins, who aren't that spectacular of a team, followed up by a 6-3 victory over the Marlins. And everybody's ready to forget, right here, there's your two steps back, is a loss to the Oakland Athletics on Friday night by a score of 5-4. to four. Where, where do the Jays go from here? Like, like, where do they go from here? Because I don't know if it's the postseason. Uh, I don't think it's the postseason. I'm willing to say that right now. The Jays aren't going to make postseason baseball. Can you really? I don't know if you really can pinpoint one thing that's gone wrong with this team. Like, we can talk all about, I mean, we know that their bullpen is an issue and will forever, might forever be an issue. Like, for as long as I've been been a baseball fan, I don't think I've seen the Jays trot out, like, consistent, a consistent bullpen besides those 2015, 2016 years. And... Now it's starting to affect, and then they're starting pitching. It's like they always have like two, two or three solid starting pitchers, but then the other two are complete wild cards. And unfortunately, this year we have Alec Manoa becoming one of those wild cards when he was supposed to be one of the workhorses of that rota- uh, of that rotation. Um, it, and then tonight, like let, let's just take tonight for an example as well. Uh, Bassett comes in and just. Uh, does a solid like four gives a four and runs to the athletics which is never never the best thing to do but i mean it was still an even game when he came out like he would have finished with a no he finished with a no decision um but 
it was the Jays closer, the one who's been deal like who's been probably the most consistent bullpen arm so far so far into his Jays tenure. It's Jordan Romano who gives up the earned run in the ninth. Like it just sucks to see. It really, really, really just sucks to see because nothing the Jays are doing is allowing them to succeed. And it's this weird thing where it's you can see the talent, you can see the direction that management wants to take this team, and you can see that none of them are really dogging it either. But it's either the bats are cold and the pitching's working great, or the pitching is just rocky, the bats aren't the greatest, and the bullpen keeps blowing games. It's so many issues all at once, and there isn't there isn't like just a good trend there isn't the sense that this team can win despite not having their best game and i think that that's what a lot of the teams that make postseason that a lot of teams that have postseason success in baseball that's what they can do and i don't see that with the jays and i don't see that they i don't see that they figure it out in time to be able to collect themselves and get themselves into the postseason that's a really good way to put it and just to throw a little more fire on the fire schneider train I don't like the decision to put in the closer in a non-save situation. No. Like, why are you putting him in in a tie game? Like, I get part of the reason is that your bullpen isn't fantastic. And I'd also like to point out, you brought up the 2015 Jays bullpen. Like, I just want to say they accidentally found their way into Roberto Osuna as a ridiculously good closer <laughs> at 20 years old. Yep. Like, don't forget that they went into that season being like, yeah, you know what? We think Brett Cecil is going to get the job done uh, down <laughs> oh the stretch. And, God. you know, he was a good oh high leverage guy. <laughs> later in that season but they went into that season be like yeah he's gonna be our closer after he failed as a starter he's gonna be our closing pitcher like yeah they had a good bullpen they they add jason grilly um who else did they get in that season they're like rafael diaz i want to say his name was no what's uh, that guy's no, name they also, had, uh, they also had they had hendrix as well we know unless hendrix was later i might be yeah i might be hendrix but but Hendricks was like middle relief at that time. Like Hendricks wasn't a setup guy or a closer, right? No, like he was. But that's insane. He was like, that's an insane. He was just a bullpen arm. Yeah, but that's crazy to think about, right? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That 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 is fair. It was uh, this guy's name. Some Rockies guy came in the Tulowitzki trade. What's his name? Oh fuck! He was really old. Oh, you should know this. <laughs> this is hurting my brain that I don't remember. Hold on, hold on. I'm gonna hold on, look hold on, it up. I'm gonna look it I, up. I got, I, you, I got it. Okay. Le, uh, Latroy Hawkins. Oh, Latroy Hawkins! I knew it. I it was tip of my tongue. It was tip of my tongue. <laughs> he was he was a good pickup. I liked him. And, and look, oh yeah, we were talking about veteran leadership on the last podcast. You asked Marcus Stroman about mentors he's had. Talks a lot about Jose Bautista. Jose Bautista taught Stroman basically everything he knows about screwing with hitters' timing. Also brings up Latroy Hawkins, who goes against what I said earlier about how. Teams that want to compete should have a homegrown leader that is going to help when things get rocky. And hey, those Jays teams had that. Like they had Bautista and Encarnacion who were there for very, very lean years. Those guys were through it. Those guys had been through it. They set the standard for that team. That team goes out and gets the players to make them great. But like they had the guys already too. Like like they had their core. Yep. And that's what I want to see some of more of these teams do is... You know, don't just throw $200, $400 million at your 21-year-old franchise player and say, go lead. Like, some guys are leaders and some guys aren't. And in baseball, the guys that are leaders are likely going to be the ones that have been through the ups and downs of this game. Because there are so many ups and downs in baseball. 
that guys just don't have time to get through them. And they're they're asked to lead these ball clubs. And I, I don't want to start this whole conversation again, but Latroy Hawkins didn't... Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't uh, remember that name off the top of my head, but he's a guy that Stroman points to and says, yeah, like he, he gave me a lot of really good advice. I remember Latroy Hawkins just having a really rough time in the postseason. I'll be honest. I, I think he got tagged for a lot, <laughs> but no, you're right. Like even if they aren't, again, even if they aren't contributing like the best numbers not worth, not maybe not worth the money you're throwing at them for the on-field performances, that off-field aspect is something that you can't really replicate. And it it's something that the Jays haven't really kept up with. And it, you, you look at you look at this team and you look at how much turnover there is. And obviously we know in baseball, we know that baseball isn't like hockey where you always have, you might be able to keep one or two mainstays, longtime people to help transition. Um, it, it, it's really important. It, it's the large turnover is why it's so important to have established that culture, in my opinion in the ball club that way it that way you know that there's a standard to be met and there's always going to be a veteran that will be able to like let you know like this is what 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 happens like you're going to have rough stretches in the season you're going to have stretches where nothing's clicking your timing's off you're always late or you're always early um you're just a step too slow or like the team's sliding and morale's just not good you need that one person to consistently just come and do the work do everything do all the right things and to tide you over until everything starts clicking again, because there's so much baseball to be played. Unfortunately for the Jays, that's not really happened. And we're we're at the what seventy seven game mark. It's pretty rough uphill from here. And the Jays right now are eleven games back of the division lead. I don't think they take the division just because of how strong the Rays are. Um, not to mention Baltimore. They're only they're six and a half. Six and a half. I can do math. No, five and a half games ahead of uh, five and a half games ahead of the Jays. I don't actually see Toronto being able to catch Baltimore. I don't know if no. that's a hot take or not. It's no, I Baltimore, don't think so. Baltimore's playing great, and Toronto isn't. Like that is not good news if you're a Jays fan. And questions now have to be like, okay, so what happens next season? Does Manoa come back up this season? Maybe pitches a little bit better, or? Are we just throwing the towel and hopefully collecting more? Because remember, this team has done a lot of buying. This team has been shortly going for a window that hasn't really opened. Because I don't think that they're going to make the postseason. And I don't know what that says about where this team's direction is trending for this season, next season, and the year after that. Tell you what, we mentioned the Orioles. Let's see how you feel about the Orioles after they get swept by the Mariners. 13 to 1, baby. 13 to 1 tonight. <laughs> Bryce Miller on the bump tomorrow. You got George Kirby, Georgie Boy going on friggin' Sunday. I don't know. Let's see how we feel about the Orioles next time we come meet. Because I'm feeling a sweep for my Mariners, baby. <laughs> oh my gosh, quads. I'm going to lose it. <laughs> okay. Um, anything else around the league that you want to get to? Like Henry Davis. Do you want to talk Henry Davis? We uh, kind of brought up the, you know, the young catchers that we're seeing um, coming up, he's playing right field. He, he's not. Yeah. He's not catching. But I mean, yeah, he, he gets his first dinger. Gets his first dinger on Thursday <laughs> night, which was very nice to see. Two hit performance for him tonight. After a bit of a slow start, I'd say got one hit in his first game. Uh, then he goes over four in his second game. 
I, I like to see it. I like to see it. He got his first hit on Thursday night. Took him four games, but he did it. He did it. Uh, throwing a couple walks there. That's a, that's a pretty good stat line to start your career. For sure. And you also want to talk about, uh, like, not just young catcher prospects. I mean, Nick Gonzalez came up as well. Seventh overall pick in 2020. Um, I mean, clearly something clearly something went right. Uh when with Pittsburgh, God knows that they needed something. They were on a ten-game losing streak before tonight. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they went from one of the best teams to start off the season in in April, May, and like, you know, fuck, like, good gift for them. But Yinzer Nation ain't feeling too hot. <laughs> and like all those losses on that ten-game win streak <laughs> came against the Cubs so, and Brewers. They're like, so bad. The losses are so bad. It came against division rivals like guys that they are jockeying with for position and they drop 10 in a row like that is really bad and hey like i don't blame them for calling up henry davis even though maybe he isn't quite ready he's ready for this team i'll tell you that like this team (laughs) needs him this team needs him to be ready so i look i I like the henry davis call up it's it's always fun to see a young catcher young player kind of make his uh you know, make his debut and see what they're able to do. I remember the same feeling with Adley Rutschman, right? And it's something we're going to see with, you know, Jackson Holiday, for example. Like when Jackson Holiday comes up, um, that's going to be a really cool thing to watch, especially, you know, the fact that he's Matt Holiday's kid and all that sort of stuff. But I like seeing these young players come up. It, it, it's cool. It, it's cool to see. Do you want to talk? Um, do you want to talk at all about the Mets? Like, are, are we going to talk about the NL East at all? Because like Mets Phillies have a series right now. Battle of the basement dwellers, if you ask me, because those guys suck, even though the Phillies are 7-3 in their last 10. I, <laughs> I do like the Phillies, but man, the Mets. Dude, Phil- um, oh, I sent God. you this chart, and I want to bring it up before we, yeah. um, before we break it down further. I sent you this chart about the cost per win for every team's payroll, uh, and the Mets are at the top. The Mets have is 34 that... wins on the season with a <laughs> payroll of $344 million for the year. That puts their cost per win at just a hair over $10 million per win. It's costing them $10 million per win that they have. Now, I don't want to mention that the Padres are the second team there, followed by the Yankees, but the Phillies right there as well. Like The Phillies are fourth on that list. Rockies are fifth, Mike. I hate to break it to you, but let's I, I, focus on number four and number one, the Mets and the Phillies. I remember how the Phillies signed Trey Turner and they were like, oh my God, we're just going to, this is just going to be another run right back to the World Series. All of it, like, Philadelphia sports fans are insufferable. I'm sorry. Like, I genuinely fucking hate Philadelphia, Philadelphia sports fans in the context of supporting any of your teams. Um... Shout out, shout out to Wyatt, who's the 76ers fan. I honestly don't know how you do it. Fucking hate it. Um, uh, <laughs> but no, it's like, I just think that these two teams are getting what they deserve because neither of them have built their rosters in a very constructive manner. There's no sense of team fit with this. The Mets love just throwing out money. They splash the big bucks on things. And you kind of have to do that when you're in the shadow of the Yankees. For their entire existence, the New York Mets will and uh, are, have, and will always continue to be overshadowed by pinstripes. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that if they embrace that identity, they could be very, there would be a good core cult following and not all of us just laughing at how shitty they are year after year. 
because they keep trying this same recipe, handing out massive deals that just blow up in their faces. Um, I mean, <laughs> they're playing some really awful baseball. And it sucks because they have genuinely good players that are just underperforming. And they have pretty likable players, too. I want to see Pete Alonso in, in like making some noise in October. I do. But he's not going to do it as a New York Met, man. Like, that team has so many holes top to bottom. And got to remember, this is the same team that trotted out the Grom, ran him into the ground. He's basically like, I, I think that, I think the Grom would be lucky if he gets another full season after this one. That's <laughs> heartbreaking. That's just heartbreaking I, to hear. Oh, absolutely. And you're right. You're right. Like, the Mets did run him into the ground. And hey, like, I hate to say it. That's what the Angels are doing to Shohei Otani right now. Shohei Otani <sighs> leads the Angels yep. in innings pitched. He leads yep. them in games played, uh, played appearances, all of the stats that indicate who plays the most on that team. It's Shohei Otani. He, Shohei Otani yep. has pitched more than any pitcher. He's batted more than any position player. That includes Mike Trout. Like, like I'm, I'm talking individual like stats, right? Like I'm talking played appearances, games played. As a DH, Shohei Otani has more than Mike Trout. Like, more games played that, than that Mike Trout. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, like, they're riding him into the ground. And, look, that, to me, that tells me that, yeah, you know what? We're making one last damn push at this because we're probably not going to be able to give him the five $600 million that he's going to get in free agency. But we're trying to make the postseason with him. That's what <laughs> we're going to do this season. So, hey, I, I, I hate to see it with DeGrom. I just hope that Otani has a different outcome because Otani, especially with what he's doing right now, Otani is just good for the game of baseball. Like, yeah. anybody who was whining and bitching and crying about the World Baseball Classic should have shut their mouths as soon as they saw that Otani versus Trout at bat oh, that, that finished bat the glorious. damn tournament. That was the one of the best moments in the history of the sport. It brought new fans to the game, undoubtedly. Probably made some more Angels fans, if we're being honest here. And, <laughs> like, like people saw that and were like, "Damn, could you imagine if these two teamed up? They'd be unstoppable." And yeah, well, they they have, oh, and it's shit. not that great. So like, they lost to the Rockies. That, <laughs> they did lose to the Rockies. That's right. So I just hope Otani has a different fate than Degrom, because hey, Degrom's special. I love watching Degrom dice up hitters, and I would really like to see Otani continue to do that for years and years to come. Can I also just shout out? Uh, this is very off topic now, but I'll, I'll just shout out the misery of Chicago Cubs fans. They get to see Cincy with a huge crop of youngsters. They get to see Pittsburgh with all their nice prospects. Like the the Cubs are not in for a good time, and St. Louis is going to bounce back. They cannot be this bad for like this long. The Cubs fans are not in for a good time in the near future. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mark Stroman's doing well. How's Justin Steele been lately? I honestly haven't looked. No, I haven't. I haven't looked either. I mean, unfortunately, I, Cubs baseball isn't something I tune into very frequently. <laughs> I, I've watched some Cubs games. I, I you remember Cody Only, Bellinger at the start yeah. of the year? Like Cody yeah. Bellinger just looked like he was going to come back. And hey, three game win streak for the Cubs, eight and two in their last ten. You don't think they're going to put it together? I don't. I don't like this team. No, <laughs> not this team. Not this time. Maybe, maybe in like five years. Sure, not now. Justin Steele, I'm looking at his game log here. Hold on. Yeah, hasn't been great since he came back. No. It's yeah, it's, tough. it's tough. 
Well, actually, I, excuse me. Yeah. He's made one start since he came back. He was doing poorly before he went down, I should say, at the end of May. When he went down, returned on June 17th. Did all right. Five innings pitched, two earned runs. But yeah, the starts before that couldn't get out of the couldn't get out of the fourth inning in either start. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, speaking of speaking of pitchers who can't get out of five or six innings, Yuri Perez. <laughs> he's he's finally getting some quality starts now, but do you think that his next start is going to be his last? I fucking hope not. He's really good for <laughs> baseball, and I'll tell you what, he's really good for my fantasy team as well. Like he's Man, really good yeah. for my keeper league team. Like let's not forget that yes, he's thrown forty one innings. This guy's rocking a 1.54 ERA on the year. 45 strikeouts through 41 innings pitched. If they let him just continue to do what he's doing as a 20-year-old, he'd he'd probably compete for NL Rookie of the Year. Absolutely. It's going to be hard to catch Corbin Carroll. I agree. Like That guy's probably going to get MVP votes, and for good reason. But Yuri Perez could make a serious case for, you know, even like runner-up to the NL Rookie of the Year award if he just continues to be given the chance to play and to take the ball. Look, I understand you want to protect the asset and you really want to make sure that he's not going to, you know, be someone that breaks down and is is going to have to miss a season for Tommy John or whatever. I understand that. But also, if you're the Marlins, you got to look at it and say, hey, he's helping us win baseball games. And right now we're in a wild card spot and we need to keep winning baseball games because there are teams right on their heels. Like... We were talking about the AL wildcard race a few minutes ago. The NL wildcard race is even closer. Like the Milwaukee Brewers, the Philadelphia Phillies are less than three games back of the third and final spot. And the yep. Dodgers are holding down one of those spots. Like the Dodgers aren't at the top of their division. The Dodgers are going to win. They're going to get a wildcard spot. Right now, they're not even at the top. Like the Marlins have more wins than the Dodgers on the season. So how long is that going to last? As long as you keep Yuri Perez in, you probably have a better chance, right? Like, I hope they don't get rid of him. I hope they keep him, and I hope the Marlins keep winning games. 
it it sucks because it you know what they're you know what they're planning to do and all this noise about him oh he hasn't pitched more than 78 i think 78 innings in the last like two years it's like dude let this kid cook man He's clearly dialed in, and he's performing at the. He's twenty years old and performing at the highest level of baseball in the world. Like, what the? In what world? I don't think there. I don't think there's a case in any major sport that a twenty-year-old who is consistently coming in and dominating the whatever opposition he faces for a team to all of a sudden go like, "Oh, sorry, we're demoting you. You're going to the minors. You're going to the second team." You're going back to step down, or they just shut him down. It doesn't make sense, and I understand from a health perspective. It's like, wow, you want to preserve, you want you want to preserve his arm. You want to make sure he has a good long career. But at the same time, if you don't build up that endurance early on in his career, when are, when the hell are you ever going to build it up, right? It, it, when is he ever going to get used to the full workload of what it takes to be an MLB starter? And he right now, I think he's the, I think he's the best starter on this Miami Marlins team. Sandy hasn't looked quite right, in my opinion. I think Perez honestly might be pitching better than Sandy right now. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think that's not even a hot take. Like, Sandy got tagged in his last start. It's been a it's been the story. And I, that's a guy that I think, like we, we talked about Alec Manoa, I think that's a guy that if we dig dug a little deeper, Sandy Alcantara, that is a guy who has really struggled with the pitch clock. I think that yeah. has really negatively affected him. And I think we'll spend an entire episode probably talking about that. Add that to the list of things we'll talk about uh, en masse. But uh, the last thing I wanted to say, Mason Miller, apparently, uh, on his way back from the injured list, which you love to see. Um, I really liked him before he went down. And I, I, I'm I'm hopeful. It's another, another young arm that you really want to see back in the game. So... I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm really hopeful that uh, Mason Miller is able to make a return here. I'm glad that it was just, it actually just was a UCL sprain and not anything worse because, holy shit, this season we've seen a lot of pitchers getting shut down for Tommy John. Remember um, Jeff Springs, like asshole that he is, absolutely started, do- he dominated the start of the season, went out, it's like elbow, oh, elbow flexor soreness, oh, flexor strain, oh, just kidding, he's out for the season. He's fucked. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And hopefully they avoid that situation. It looks like they're going to. So good signs coming out of Oakland. Not on, on multiple accounts. Because, hey, they just stomped the Jays. So we'll see what happens in the next game here. But uh, we'll close it out there. I don't, uh, I don't have anything else. You got anything you want to add? Nope. Nothing else. Beautiful. Uh, London series coming up here. Oh, that'll be, uh, that'll be interesting act- one to yeah. watch. As the Cardinals make their comeback to the top of the NL Central. Uh, this I'd say second place. I don't think the Reds are going anywhere, baby. Uh, Cubs, Cardinals in London has me hopeful for some Vancouver baseball one day. We just know it won't be at BC Place because BC Place can't host baseball in its current form. We'll wrap it up there. Uh, for my co-host, Mike Liu, my name is David Cugelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Batter's Box. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.